Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Nico Powell. Hey, Craig. Nico Powell is the head coach at Forge Parkour in Portland, Oregon, and has been involved in parkour since 2010. He earned his bachelor's degree in public health and exercise science at Portland State University in 2015. Nico continued his studies with Transformation Studio, a holistic biomechanics studio, where he learned how the body systems work together to create function. Welcome, Nico. Pleasure to be here with you. Nico, the title of your Spark Talk was Intention-Based Coaching, Defining Yourself as an Educator. And the obvious place to start is to ask you to just unpack that a little bit and give me a um, schematic of what the material was that you had the opportunity to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I was preparing for Art of Retreat this time, I wanted to try and bring something different than what I have brought to the last couple times that I presented. Typically, I focus a lot more on body stuff. Like I presented on stress and I presented on holistic biomechanics, but I've been spending a lot of time over these last like few months talking with the coaches around my gym and thinking about the ways that we engage with our students, mm-hmm. um, thinking about how we push or whether or not we push our desires or our influences onto our students and whether or not we're taking their interests into consideration. And then also in the area where I come from, there are many competing parkour gyms and uh, the bigger name gyms in the area call themselves instructors versus us using the term coach. Coach. And so uh, it really resonates a lot with me, especially when I go and I talk with them and I see how they are engaging with their students differently than the way that we're intending to engage with our students. And so it led me to think sort of about what are these terms that we use to identify ourselves and what are the actual descriptions or boundaries behind like what is a teacher, what is an instructor, what is a coach, and how do these all relate to the term leader. And so in our in my presentation, uh, I, mean, I wouldn't even call it a presentation. It was much, much more like a group discussion. I was just sort of they're participating yeah exactly leading the discussion one might say yeah yeah exactly uh and we just sort of broke down a lot of different words and we did start with you know teacher instructor coach and leader so is there a particular hierarchy to those words or a way that they fit together do they like do they interlock or do they overlap or are they in a hierarchy where like leaders at the top and then there's like an echelon of those terms can you Give me um, uh, like a brief overview of how the four of them interplay. I would say uh, yes to what you asked, but... um, (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) That's not helpful. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And so really simply put, like if we look at the role of a teacher, a teacher typically imparts knowledge. Mm -hmm. An instructor typically imparts a skill or like instructs a skill. They follow a set of instructions. Uh, A coach generally guides their students or their... uh, Whatever you want their to call charges, them, clients. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they they guide them in the direction that they want to go, and a leader sort of sets the example. And so we definitely see the role of leadership present in all of the different uh, identities for educators. But if you think about where does a teacher pull their knowledge from, and a teacher generally is giving you a reflection or an understanding based off of their own personal experience or their personal knowledge. Okay. An instructor, again, is following that like set of instructions. This is step one, this is step two, this is step three. There's not really a lot of room for variability always. Um, and then a coach 
does a lot of different things. Like a, a coach is sometimes a manager, a coach is sometimes a teacher, a coach is sometimes an instructor. And you can say the same about the other roles too. They all sometimes coach as well, or they all sometimes teach or instruct. There is definitely a lot of crossover, but there are people who identify with a core identity and then sort of have like, think of it like a skill tree if you're playing video games, right? Right, right. Yeah, like you, you have these different paths you can go and you can fill out some of the skill tree in a different area, but your main skill tree is blown up in one of those areas. Right. It's exactly like, it's exactly like that in, in education. And so uh, that's, that's one of the ideas I really like to think about is just the like skill tree mentality of teaching or educating. Um, and so after we look at like these different terms and how they interplay, it's like uh, one of the discussions we had was, could you, if you had a thousand people, would you be able to teach, instruct, and coach them? Or are some of those roles more fitted for a larger population than another? And for you as an individual, where does that stopping point lie? So I'm always interested, and I've asked several of the people that I've had a chance to talk to here, I'm always interested in how your vision for your presentation or your session, how your vision for that may or may not have been what actually came out when you did it. And I'm most interested in, there's a very unique set of people here at Art of Retreat. So You've been here before, so you have an advantage on this question. But if you think about what your vision was, and then when you get here and you deliver it, were there any ways that it actually came out different than what you were envisioning? I would honestly say that this presentation, that Spark Talk, was the best presentation I've had so far at Art of Retreat. In fact, all of my expectations were met, and like it went, it went above and beyond what I could have ever dreamed of for that talk. And I definitely have like, I didn't necessarily hit the mark exactly how I wanted to in my previous talks. It's not to say people didn't get things from it, but it, they didn't necessarily get what I had had intended for them to get. Right, right. And with this one, I went into it with a lot more of an open mind, and I went in it into it with the intention of leading it into a discussion and leading it as a discussion. And so I had my talking points and I had the things that I wanted to mention, but I didn't just like lecture nonstop. That lecture, the the intention of my presentation was interspersed throughout our group discussion, and I was able to flow the conversation very well towards where I wanted it. So, of course, the, the meta question, the meta follow-on question is, so was that change in, I'm going to use the word performance, but I don't mean to imply that your previous performance was bad, but does that change in your performance due to you mastering the very topic that you're talking about trying to deliver? So you're trying to talk about being intentional about your choice of coach, instructor, teacher, leader, and you're saying that you went in with a very specific idea and you were able to execute the idea that you were intending to, and that tells me that you're able to do the very thing that you're talking about. Are you, are you aware that that's true? And, and did you go in and say, I think I've mastered this and now that's why this is going to work the way I'm thinking? Well, I think with a subject like this, it's important to recognize that a lot of people are going to have different ideas. And so I was focused more on sharing my perspective instead of being just an expert on a subject. Like when it comes to talking about stress or biomechanics, uh, when I'm in the room and, the, and I'm trying to present on that subject, I have to approach as if I'm an expert. I have to kind of lead as if there is a hierarchy in the room of like, this is, this is the knowledge, this is what we're doing, this is, this is mine right now. But when uh, I'm working on this discussion, instead of it being a presentation, it's more like, this is what we're making together. We're building this this image or this idea of what it means to be a quality educator and look at the different ways that we engage with students. And so besides just looking at 
the titles of teacher, coach, leader, instructor, we also started to define some really important words like intention, communication, interaction, and perception were the four words that I really felt like I wanted to highlight this time because they paint a picture of where I find the most value in my coaching. So let's go further with those four words. Can you tell me a little bit about what each, why each of those individual words are the ones that you felt were like, these are the four I had to pick. What's so critical about those four that you need them in order to understand the topics? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's been really interesting at Art of Retreat this year because the word intention has come up so much. It's like I almost can't go an hour without hearing somebody say the word intention. And it's, it's one of the goals of like the Art of Retreat is to be intentful, to have mindfulness. And the idea of intention is really to uh, have conviction for a purpose okay. and it's to uh, have a desire or to have a vision of what you're reaching for or, or what your goals are. So like when it comes to me, my personal intention when it, for teaching is to try and share with others and help them find their movement, help them along the path of whatever it is they want to do. And along that way, it's not just teaching them movement or showing them how to do things. Sometimes you also have to address their mental state. You have to look at what's going on and really look at them as a whole person instead of as just another person. Mm -hmm. And so that's my intention. That's what I set out to do for people. And so I prefer to work in smaller groups and in larger populations because it allows for me to still engage with everybody and still give them that time that we have in class. One of the things, and I've said this several times now to other guests, that we're trying to do with these interviews is break the fourth wall to find a way to um, plant a seed or plant a physical challenge or something in people who are listening. And you, you started going in that direction earlier when you mentioned, uh, figuratively, you were asking people, at what point do you stop in this progression in your journey? And I'm thinking, okay, let, let's pick that thread back up where we're talking about um, how someone evaluates where they have a strong suit in these four abilities or where they're weak. And I'm wondering, is there any way, any things you can give people to think about which would help them begin to unpack that to find their limitations maybe or to figure out what their next actions are for expanding in one area versus another? Um, so a, a beautiful word is awareness. And awareness just means to have have the idea or to to recognize something. And the first step of creating change in anything, this this mentality or any other aspect of your life is to create an awareness about it and to have the intention to start understanding what it is you became aware of. But if you don't at least make the decision to try and search for these topics in yourself and really like dig down to explore your own ego, then you're going to be missing part of the picture. And for me, a part of the way that I access that for myself as a coach is by talking to my students, by expressing to them how I care about their opinion, how I care about what they want to do. And if there's something or some way that I'm engaging with them that they don't like, I need to know as well. Or if there's some way I can engage with them better. And my coaches uh, that also work at Forge, uh, they also keep me accountable. We, we have a very good system of accountability where we all feel comfortable talking to each other if things have arisen to make sure that we are still cohesively working towards the intention of the gym. Like we all have our own intentions that we bring to class and that all falls underneath the intention of like the organization too. It's almost like you're preaching to the choir at Art of Retreat and I'm wondering how much of your 
uh, intention or desire to come and present is a desire to get the two-way conversation like from those very people you're talking to. So on one hand, it'd be great if you encountered 20 people in your session who who really had blind spots or things and that you deliver the material and then they're really inspired and they all go get better. That's like really awesome. But there's also this idea of in one way, I wonder if you wouldn't also feel a little disappointed if they didn't like turn it back on you and engage you in conversation. And I'm wondering um, where I'm going with this long-winded question is people that I have talked to who don't come to Art of Retreat, who don't want to, who don't apply to present, they don't realize how valuable the two-way part of that engagement is. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can help try to capture, because it's obvious that you're passionate about that two-way con- um, conversation between these peers. I'm wondering if you can help capture some of like, I had this idea of what I wanted and the, the, the people who are playing the role of students in your session, you actually want them to be your peer. And I'm wondering if you can unpack a little bit about why you see a art of retreat as a place to find that and what exactly it is you got back from them yeah absolutely uh i'll just start by saying all of the people here are absolutely beautiful um my my students uh and everybody else but particularly the ones who are in my sessions and uh it's it's really great because even if you have an idea and it's the same idea that somebody else has if you learn it or you get the ability to express it in a different way, that's still really significant because if you're trying to express or connect with somebody, there are going to be times where the thing you're trying to say or the thing you're trying to do isn't going to get across to them. And the more ways that you have to communicate or express that are the more uh, opens up the possibility to actually influence that person in the way that you desire. And so for, for people who aren't, are afraid to like apply for the retreat. I remember my first time being absolutely terrified walking onto this campus here at Lake Wenatchee and being like, I'm not sure if I belong here. <laughs> and I and I struggled with the idea of imposter syndrome for a very long time. Like even I, I, I spoke again. I, I convinced myself to fly out to Scotland and put myself out there for the art of retreat out there as well. And I was terrified. I flew to a new country. I put myself out there. And the whole <laughs> right, reason right. why I did all of this was because I recognized that there was a comfort zone that I had that was entirely unnecessary. Hmm. And to break through that and to push past into, into new boundaries, like into these avenues here has really helped me grow significantly as a person. It, it's, it's opened up the gateway to new relationships and new uh, connections, new projects to work on, uh, new intentions. And I probably wouldn't have had the same uh, eureka moment and how I like to engage with my students if I didn't also have the opportunity to share with everybody here or to and when I say share I don't just mean me presenting I mean literally the yeah. the information I receive from everybody receiving else. and transmitting right um, everybody that I've talked to here and I've talked to a lot of people both on the mic and off everybody usually gets around to talking about the physical environment here and well, probably it's just because humans are drawn to you know conifer forests and the fact that it rains every once in a while and things are always very green and and like warm, like moist, warm in an inviting way. It's a little chilly this weekend. Um, but my question is, do you think that coming here and having the opportunity to engage on this topic that you're passionate about, like that takes it to a whole other level where you? It's one thing to say I'm passionate about this and I can learn about it in my normal environment, but to and you hinted at this when you talked about Scotland. When you when you take yourself, and for you, it's not that far. Like I flew across the country, you you, you flew like a, you know across the state. When you move to this new environment, and then everything is 
just outdoors. Like, how does that open up the topic that you thought you already knew that you were passionate about? Like, it opens up the new level. And the reason I'm picking at this point is other people who are on the fence about, I have something that I'm pretty sure I'm passionate about and I'm pretty sure I can share. They may be thinking, okay, am I qualified to share it? Am I going to get something out of it? And then there's this whole other magical place level to this. Like, yeah. And when you do it at Art of Retreat in these venues, there's a whole like multiplier. And I'm wondering if, if you have that same feeling about like the multiplier effect and maybe some personal snapshots of what you've experienced either on the teaching or the learning side. So I actually have a pretty fun example that plays into literally everything you just asked. Uh, one of the really cool things that happens here at Art of Retreat is uh, they also, besides the like keynote speakers, they also have open discussions. So during the downtime, people can come in and uh, say they want to talk about something they're passionate about and sort of test whether or not that's something that they want to right. do. And I, I remember I was talking with um, somebody that I knew from before Art of Retreat, uh, this woman named Angela, and she had expressed that she was possibly interested in trying to present, but she wasn't really sure why, and she didn't really think anybody would want to listen to her. And so uh, with the influence of uh, myself and another, we were able to push her into... Uh, yeah, it's like a whiteboard. Her, but encourage, yeah, encourage yeah. her to uh, sign up for the whiteboard. I actually didn't even know that she did until afterwards. I was like, "Whoa, that's awesome! I'm so glad <laughs> I for missed you." It. Oh, right. And then I was I was downstairs while she was uh, doing her presentation. I was doing a private lesson with somebody else, um, doing some body work and uh, listening in and being like a background observer. And like in this room is also Amos, who a lot of people in the parkour community know. Uh, he's a big Apex guy. He's big Ukemi guy. Everybody loves him. He's got yeah. cool hair and he's fun. Yeah. Um, and he's sitting there and he's asking her all these questions and he's engaging her. And you've also got like, I, I'm using him as an example just because he's a big name and easy to access. But um, he was asking her questions and he literally said to her at one point, thank you for explaining this to me in a way that nobody has been able to explain to me before. I finally understand it in a way that I couldn't before. And after her presentation was over, I walk up to her and I explain to her exactly who that was. Oh, right. Because exactly who, who that she was. was, she might not have known who he was. It's just another yeah, dude. She, right? she, she didn't. She didn't. And so I, I took the opportunity to explain to her the situation that she was in and encourage her to reflect upon the, how, the unease that she had going into this and the impact that she was able to have on a very well-renowned, well um, educated, well, yeah, well learned, yeah, well learned, done that, right? <laughs> well learned individual, yeah, and she was entirely flustered, right, and, and just and, like floored by that. Wow, it really is a magical place. Yeah, and I was like, and, and and so it's one of those things where if you have the thought that it's something that you might want to address, you never know who you're going to be able to make an impact on. Right. And this is literally the best place to find out because... Oh, oh. <laughs> because everybody is also going to be so kind and supportive. We're, we're not out here to like bite at each other's like yeah, ankles. We're, we're, like we're here to... Rabid brotherly and sisterly love. I mean, like there's just like people fall over each other to, to like be um, the martial, martial arts empty cup metaphor to like fall over each other to be open and listen and... Um, the cultivated environment. And it's not like there's a oath that everybody takes when they walk in the front door. It's just this idea of everybody sees the potential for what the event 
can be. They see what it is already, and they're just like, oh, I see a way to move this forward an inch, and that it just builds all through the whole weekend. Yeah, it's it's an it's truly an incredible experience. The I, I remember like even in the team games, we have these really epic night missions that they send us on, <laughs> and I remember I was the point of failure in one of the challenges that we had on the first night, and. Like I kept apologizing, and I don't know why I was apologizing because everybody was literally the nicest to me that they could have ever been. Right. It's like, oh yeah, man, no, it's totally fine. At least we tried. We <laughs> went for the hardest version of the challenge, and we tried, and we didn't get it. That's fine. <laughs> and like everybody moved on, and I'm over here still feeling bad, but I'm like, I guess they really just don't care. <laughs> they all literally moved on. I better catch up. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm I'm behind. <laughs> Nico, as much as I love to wax, you know, poetic about Art of Retreat, um, let's circle back because I think. We haven't exhausted the idea of like some takeaways for people. So one direction that we haven't gone yet, um, we have these four different categories that you just, I don't want to say arbitrarily, but these four categories that you have presented, uh, you know, leader, teacher, instructor, and coach. And I'm wondering um, what advice do you, would you give to someone? So a lot of the people who listen, I think, are in like small organizations. And what advice would you give to them when they see someone within their organization, another coach or a student? And they, they wanted to elevate that person to another level. So like, how do you figure out how to bring someone up? How do you look at that person and say, I think that person's next step would be and like, which one of those four? And then how do you cultivate that feature or that skill set within that person? Is that something you think you could analyze? And Yeah, I, I think the first thing is when, if you want to help somebody, you need to first make sure that they want help. And then beyond that, you also have to make sure that you're not perceiving what their needs are inaccurately. And so that also breaches that level of communication, right? And so we've now, those are like three of our words, right? Intention, communication, perception. The only other one is interaction, which is like your body language and how you express yourself. And um, I think that it's really important that you connect with that person and make sure that that's even something that they want to do, right? And so you you start to build this level of trust and, and communication by demonstrating interest in seeing their success. And it's if you start to try and believe you know what's best for them, that's going to become overwhelming. Because I remember thinking back to the first gym that I coached for. One of the biggest things that turned me away from staying there was uh, having the feeling like, somebody else knew what was better for me instead of me being able to make that choice for myself. Because I had, I had wanted to do more coaching at the time and they were also having me work the front desk. But because of my charismatic personality, they wanted me behind the front desk because I'd be interacting with parents mm-hmm. and they wanted to have the people who weren't as extroverted behind or out on the floor teaching classes. Right. And so it just hit me as like a limiting factor that was decided for me. And then as I sort of branched out and I grew more and I uh, found my way towards Forge, I was able to really start to discover what it meant to be the coach that I wanted to be. And we're, we've gotten so far to the point that I'm now having this conversation with you. Right. And it was one of those things that when once I was given the opportunity, and in my case, it was removing myself from everybody and becoming the head coach. But the, the way that I try to do that for our coaches is uh, at Forge, we have our guidelines. We have our like gym intention. But as far as how an individual coaches, the only time that I'm going to decide how they coach is if they want me to decide how they coach for them. 
But if they want to develop their own coaching style, they can either do that on their own or they can do that with my assistance. And the only time I'm going to chime in if they don't want my assistance in that is if I feel like it's not representing Forge. Now, I was also thinking closely related in there, and I, I think you may have given all of the answer, but I just want to make sure that this doesn't kick anything um, loose in your head. Um, there are a lot of, and I don't know how much this happens in parkour, but like in the outside world of business and, and economics, there's a lot of stereotyping that goes on. So what I was thinking about was like in business world, these four descriptors, um, you know, leader, coach, instructor, teacher, they may not be thrown around per se, but they're stereotyping. So women are considered more nurturing or more caring. So then that means by stereotyping, that means that they can't be outgoing and, and like direction giving. So they're not leaders. And, and I'm wondering, and the reason I say, hi, I think you have the answer already is that it seems to me that that is thrust upon them as opposed to being asked of them. Like, what do you want to do when a coach or teacher? You want that kind of thing. And I'm just wondering if you've had any experience or if you've had any um, luck in finding, like spotting that. So you see a situation where it looks like that is happening where people are being stereotyped and people are being like directed in a certain way because of the stereotype. If you've had any success in opening people's eyes to like using this more communication method to realize that no, you're projecting onto them that type. So I, I, I would like to, before I answer, make the statement that I believe that uh, we are still growing as a community, at least in my local city. We don't have a lot of uh, female athletes who are ready to coach necessarily. And so as far as being able to answer on that level, I wouldn't say that I am... Um, I can't say you've been successful because yeah, yeah. you haven't bumped into it yet. Yeah, exactly. So I can't speak on that. But in terms of like seeing how stereotypes play into... Uh, the way people identify, I would say that there are, um, we're, we're in a really interesting society right now where we look at a lot of extremes and we are definitely pushing people into little boxes, um, sometimes cages. And we uh, are really just uh, forcing our opinion on other people without being flexible to seeing another possible option. And it's, it's a really stubborn way of interacting um, and it, it makes it really hard to have a conversation that leads to growth because if you're only looking at the extremes and you're sticking to the extremes, you miss all of the beauty that happens in the middle. You miss all of the flexibility. You miss all of the options and adaptability. And I think we are, we really need to try and figure out how to break away from the extremist mentality because it's really just exacerbating the way we view these stereotypes. And women by far are subject to uh, stereotypes and criticism and misidentity more so than probably anybody else. Nico, is there anything else that we've touched on a number of topics, but we're really focused on some tight you know, items here. Is there anything else that you're working on or that you want to share with us before we wrap up? Uh, yeah. So um, right now we are working on getting a worst day of the jam, or sorry, worst day of the year jam uh, in Portland. It's, uh, it's going to be on uh, February 1st, and then on February 2nd, we plan on uh, attempting to try like a parkour relay race format where we'll uh, pit teams of 3v3 against each other at the gym and see how, uh, <laughs> how that works, if that works. Uh, it's, it's an idea that I've had for a really long time. I watched this anime called Prince of Stride, and it kind of 
it, it has a parkour element to it like it's about this like <laughs> right Prince relay Stride, parkour right. competition race and like man i'm telling you it's the dorkiest cheesiest thing you'll ever watch but if you like parkour like it kind of draws to you man i mean i also <laughs> like anime a lot so that's on me but yeah we're working on the worst day of the year jam and a parkour relay race and then uh, i'm still of course going to be trying to continuously flesh out my ideas and continue to grow uh, as a coach because that's what inspires me that's what i'm really passionate about so of course if people want to get in touch with you or catch up with you ask questions or i guess sign up for the worst day of the year jam uh, <laughs> where can they find you how can they get in touch yeah so uh probably the best way would either be like facebook or uh email my email is nico n-i-k-o at forgeparkour.com uh, if you want to find me on social media my last name is pal p-a-l so nico pal i'm your friend i'm your buddy I hate that. You can't tell you how many times in my life I've gone, hey, what's up, buddy pal? I'm like, oh, what can I do? Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> hey, better off than some kids. Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, on that note, let's <laughs> let's wrap up. Nico, it's always a pleasure to get a chance to sit down and talk. Thank you very much, Craig. I had a blast. You're welcome. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.